Reacting to the world's best science. The Naked Scientist Newsflash. Hello, welcome to the Naked Scientist News Flash, where we take a weekly look at what's been hot in the world of science. This week's episode features Mira Senthalingam and Sarah Castor-Perry, and I'm Ben Valsler. Coming up this week, I will grab my reporter's hat and notebook to explain to Mira how a cocktail of chemicals and fly spit may help to prevent blindness, why certain birds behave differently when they're being watched, and how chimpanzees swap meat for sex. Plus, Sarah Castor-Perry explains how insulin was first made widely available this week in science history. That's all on the way. It's time to find out what's been going on in the world of science this week with our Naked Scientist correspondent, Ben Valsler. So, Ben, it seems that we might be wanting flies to spit in our drugs. It seems that a cocktail of chemicals found in the saliva of the black fly could help us to develop better drugs and maybe even a vaccine against river blindness. River blindness, or onchocerciasis as it's also known, affects 17 million people worldwide and it's the world's third leading infectious cause of blindness. It's caused by a nematode parasite called Onchocerce volvulus which is transmitted in the bite of the black fly. Writing in the Journal of Proteome Research, Jose Ribeiro from the Laboratory of Malaria and Vector Research at the US National Institute of Health and his colleagues looked at the cocktail of proteins in blackfly saliva. The saliva of biting insects is very well adapted to the job and it contains anti-clotting, anti-platelet, vasodilatory, anti-inflammatory and immunomodulatory components. These help to stop the host's immune system reacting when the fly gets its feed. How did they do it? Well, they sequenced the genes found in blackfly salivary glands to find out what proteins were expressed in saliva. And then they worked out which of these were excreted, rather than just used for housekeeping inside the gland. And what did they find? Well, firstly, they found that there's some overlap with the proteins found in other blood-feeding insects, as you would expect, as well as a large amount of unique genes. This in itself gives us an insight into how blood feeding evolved and diversified, allowing the insect to adapt to pressure from the host's immune system. And several new protein families were discovered, many of which have pharmacologic potential to be developed into new medicines. But importantly, the more we know about the chemical conditions under which the nematode parasite is transmitted, the more targets we have to develop treatments that could block the transmission of parasites or stop them from taking hold inside the body. Not only could this work help to develop a vaccine against river blindness, but it gives us some tantalising hints as to new ways to tackle other diseases that are transmitted in the same way, including malaria. So that's extremely useful research. Now, moving from mosquitoes to birds, it seems that a certain type of bird knows when it's being watched. Yes, many people behave very differently when they're being watched, and now it seems that jackdaws, birds related to crows and ravens, do exactly the same. At the least, they recognise the importance of the human eye with regards to vision and attention, and they seem to be more aware of being watched by a stranger. Writing in Current Biology, August van Beyen from Oxford University reports that hand-raised jackdaws take much longer to retrieve a food reward when a person was directing their gaze at the food, compared to when the person was looking away. This hesitation was only seen when the person doing the watching was a stranger and so potentially a threat. Even more interesting than this, the birds could interpret human communicative gestures, such as changing gaze and pointing to help find hidden food. An unchanging gaze alone did not help to direct them to the food. Now that's interesting stuff, but can't other animals do the same? Well, this is the first animal we've known to be particularly sensitive to the eyes. 
Chimpanzees and dogs rely on head or body orientation as an indication of attention, but only jackdaws seem to acknowledge the role of the eyes in visual perception. Why might this be? Well, we're not certain just yet, but it certainly indicates that we have underestimated the intelligence and psychology of these birds. Jackdaws have eyes that are very similar to ours, and von Bayern puts forward one hypothesis, saying that jackdaws form pair bonds for life and need to closely coordinate and collaborate with their partner, which requires an efficient way of communicating and sensitivity to their partner's perspective. And finally this week, it seems that for male chimps, a guaranteed way to get some action is to bring some food. Wild female chimpanzees will copulate more often with males who regularly bring them meat, according to a study published in the open access journal PLOS One this week. Mate selection by females is a puzzle in chimpanzees as well as in humans, but there is some indication that more successful hunters tend to have more partners and a larger number of offspring. Male chimpanzees are known to share their meat with females who do not hunt, and so researchers hypothesised that the females exchange meat for mating access. So how did they test this? Observing wild chimps in the Thai National Park on the Ivory Coast, Christina Gomes and Christoph Bursch recorded meat sharing and copulation activities over a period of 22 months and analysed the data to see if their hypotheses held true. They found that the males were more likely to share meat with females during estrus, when they're at the most fertile and display sexual swellings. But even once these were discounted from the data, the pattern was still present. Even once they controlled for the effect of male social rank and female gregariousness, females copulated more often with males that share their meat. But what advantage does this have? Well, the obvious advantage for the females is that they increase their calorific intake without the dangers and the energetic cost of hunting. The males can double their mating success by being generous with the spoils of a hunt. As the results were collected over 22 months, it also suggests that chimpanzees think of both the past and the future when making decisions about whether or not to share meat or about who to mate with. Now, chimps are our closest living evolutionary relative. So can this tell us anything about us humans? Well, Gomes added that these findings are bound to have an impact on our current knowledge about relationships between men and women, and similar studies will determine if the direct nutritional benefits that women receive from hunters in human hunter-gatherer societies could also be driving the relationship between reproductive success and good hunting skills. It may also shed more light on the evolution of compassion and sharing, as there's a clear evolutionary advantage to not being selfish with your food. Yes, so I guess it's always good to share. Thanks, Ben. Naked Scientist Ben Bowsler reporting there on some of the latest news in the world of science. The Naked Scientist News Flash. Reacting to the world's best science. Now let's go back in time to join Sarah Custer Perry in 1923 when insulin was first made widely available to treat diabetes. This week in science history saw in 1923 purified extracts of the hormone insulin being made widely available for the treatment of diabetes. Diabetes is a syndrome that causes high levels of sugar to build up in the blood either because the body does not produce enough insulin or it is resistant to its effects. Type 1, where the body doesn't produce insulin, is often diagnosed in childhood and leaves the sufferer reliant on insulin injections. Type 2, known as insulin-resistant diabetes, often occurs later in life and can be controlled by dietary changes and exercise. After a meal, increased levels of sugar in the blood stimulate cells in the islets of Langerhans in the pancreas to release insulin, which travels in the blood and stimulates tissues in the body, such as the liver and muscles, to take up the sugar glucose from the blood and it converts it into glycogen to be stored until needed. 
If the sugar isn't removed from the blood and absorbed by surrounding tissues, it can cause symptoms such as excessive thirst, hunger and urination, as well as fatigue, male impotence and in serious cases, ketoacidosis, where the body starts to break down fats and proteins, producing chemicals that make the blood more acidic. It can also cause reduced cognitive function and coma. Up until the 20th century, diabetes was pretty much a death sentence, with children and teenagers slipping into hyperglycemic comas caused by the high levels of sugar in their blood and never waking up. The first to discover that diabetes was linked to the pancreas was a Polish-German man called Oskar Minkowski in 1889. In experiments where they removed the pancreas of dogs, Minkowski and his colleagues found that there was sugar in the dog's urine, meaning it hadn't been removed from the blood before passing through the kidneys. In 1901, a man named Eugene Opie showed that it was in fact the islets of Langerhans within the pancreas that were involved, named after Paul Langerhans, the medical student that first described them. Further experiments during the late 19th century attempted to isolate whatever it was that was produced by the islets that could regulate levels of sugar in the blood and so treat diabetes. The first major breakthrough came in the early 1920s when the Canadian Frederick Banting and his colleagues, working in Scotland, found that dogs with their pancreas removed showed diabetes-like symptoms and that these symptoms were prevented by injecting a purified extract from the pancreas. They called the extract islatin, which is what we would now call insulin. Banting returned to Toronto, Canada, and rather than continuing to use dogs, he began to use fetal calf pancreas for the extracts, as the digestive areas of the organ wouldn't have developed and made extracting the islatin easier. In 1922, the group were able to create an extract of the islatin that was pure enough to inject into patients without having major side effects. They injected an entire ward of comatose children, surrounded by their grieving families, and by the time they reached the end of the ward, the first ones were already waking up from their comas. By November 1922, the pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly and Company, who had been working with the group, had made a breakthrough in purifying the extract and they were able to produce large enough quantities that it became available in April the following year. The two leaders of the Canadian research team working on diabetes that led to the discovery of insulin won the Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine in 1923 for their work. Unfortunately, the Romanian scientist Paulescu, who'd isolated insulin in 1921, was never credited for his work. Insulin extracted from animal sources was the only form of insulin available until the developments in genetic engineering in the 1970s and 80s allowed human insulin to be produced by engineering bacteria. Recombinant human insulin, as it's known, is now the main sort used throughout the world, but the breakthrough of the 1920s saved countless lives and made a once certainly fatal disease controllable. That was Sarah Castor-Perry explaining how, in 1923, insulin was first made widely available for the treatment of diabetes. That's all we have for this week's Naked Scientist Newsflash. This featured Mira Santhalingam and Sarah Castor-Perry. The Naked Scientist Newsflash is produced by me, Ben Valsler. If you enjoyed it, then please check out the Naked Scientist podcast, where each week we bring you the latest science news, along with interviews, answers to your questions, and a kitchen science experiment for you to try out in your very own kitchen. Join us on the web at thenakedscientist.com, and I'll be back with another roundup next week. The Naked Scientist News Flash, reacting to the world's best science. For more information, look us up online at nakedscientists.com.